What's the truth if we don't pass issue one this August 8th? Also, what's coming here to the state of Ohio in November and why do we need to care about it? Finally, should Christians be engaging in the public square or should we check our worldview at the door so that none of our Christianity is ever infused in politics? We'll be discussing all of this and more on today's show. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ohio Right to Life's Pro-Life podcast. My name is Lizzie Marbach, and I'm the Director of Communications for Ohio Right to Life. And on today's episode, we will be interviewing uh, Nalani Jawahar. Nalani is the Legislative Liaison for Center for Christian Virtue. And Center for Christian Virtue is an amazing organization. They are dedicated to bringing the gospel into politics, and they do not shy away from that. And so we'll be discussing that a little bit more with Nalani. But before we get into the interview, I do just want to mention a couple of things about issue one. So I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it is getting more national attention, which is a great thing. People are paying attention. And the uh, most recent person to pay attention to issue one is California's very own governor, Gavin Gavin Newsom. Uh, I just want to point out that we have been saying all along that their goal is to make Ohio into California. They're trying to force California's morals and values into the state of Ohio. And Governor Newsom is making that very clear today with his tweet. He is very upset that we are trying to protect our state against his kind of radicalism. As we know, California is no bastion of freedom and people are fleeing from California because of all of the harmful propositions uh, that have been passed throughout the years into their state constitution. And so we're trying to protect Ohioans against that kind of radicalism. And and California does not like that. Governor Newsom does not like that very much because he wants to be able to force his beliefs onto the Buckeye state, but we're not going to let him do that. And so I do just want to flag that for all of you guys so that you know word is getting out there. People are listening. So continue to share and spread this information. We are only days away from issue one uh, and from the special election. So we appreciate all of your prayers and all of your advocacy and you guys just hitting the like button and share button because it really does more than you realize. So with all of that said, let's go ahead and get into the interview. So Nalani, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Do you mind just kind of introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about what you do in the Center for Christian Virtue. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lizzie, for having me on. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, my name is Nalani, like you said, and I work for the Center for Christian Virtue, which is Ohio's largest Christian public policy organization. Um, My specific role at CCV is I'm our legislative liaison, which means I'm one of our lobbyists on staff. And um, it's funny because I used to always hate that term lobbyist. And I always thought that it was a really dirty thing to do. (laughs) And it can be for sure. But um, the really cool thing about what we do at CCV is um, we advocate for for public policy that reflects the truth of the gospel. So our goal is to embolden Christians in the state of Ohio to raise their voices and uh, be engaged in politics, to be engaged with their government, because we think it's just really important for Christians to be 
involved legislatively, to be involved um, as voters, to be educated, to be informed. Um, and that's a big part of what I get to do at CCV is I get to kind of connect the body of Christ with um, uh, the government, with the state of Ohio, and to ensure that um, we're keeping the state of Ohio to account and that they are doing things that are good for families and good for churches and communities. Absolutely. Well, and you talk about how Center for Christian Virtues main, you know, mission is to bring the gospel into that political realm. So one of the things in today's world that we always are hearing constantly is keep your religion out of our politics, check your worldview at the door. It's funny because it seems like only Christians are ever told that we have to check our worldview at the door, but everyone else is able to engage in politics through their religious worldview, whatever they they may have, whether that's a specific religion or the religion of secularism is what I would call it. Um, but we're we're always the, the right. ones who are told that we can't ever bring up the Bible or our personal beliefs when it comes to drafting legislation or anything like that. So could you just explain to us a little bit how Center for Christian Virtue and how you as an individual are able to kind of navigate that when someone does bring that up and say, well, you have no right to be here. Why are Christians forcing this on us? How do you guys respond to that? And um, what are your your thoughts on on that kind of idea that we're not supposed to bring in our religious beliefs into politics? Right. Yeah, that's a really good point you bring up, Lizzie, about how um, uh, it's only us that aren't allowed to bring up our our worldview and our religion, but the other side is perfectly allowed to impose their worldview on others. They, and they kind of think that they somehow have this, like they call it secularism, but it's like, you know, they think it's just neutral somehow, <laughs> which yeah. is just not true. And, um, and I think it's it's just so important to remember that our laws are based on morals. So anytime we're talking about law, we're all we're going to be talking about a moral framework. And um, as Christians, we know the truth. You know, God's revealed us the truth and we have uh, not just a right, but also a responsibility to share that with others. We have a responsibility to create laws that are guided by those truths because that's what is best for society. That's what's ultimately going to lead people to the most freedom um, and the most um, the strong, strongest communities. And so um, I just think that idea of uh, like this false sense of secularism, I think there's kind of this obsession with this idea that our government is secular, but people don't really know what that means because no one can actually point to uh, what kind of philosophies are actually espoused by secularism. I mean, everything that people typically point to, a sort of like classical liberalism is actually all comes really from the Bible. It comes from Christian values. Mm -hmm. You can't really just spring to that without also going through all of those Christian values. Um, but yeah, I just think I think it's interesting. You know, people have this this idea of this separation of church and state, um, which is actually that phrase is actually from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote, and he was actually talking about protecting the church from the state, not protecting the state from the church. And I think we as Christians really need to, to know what we believe and, and really be convicted about it and know that, that um, you know, whatever God gives us and tells us this is good and this is true, you know, we have a responsibility to share that with others. Um, and so I just think, I think, 
you know, we have to really live those convictions out and understand our morals rightly and, um, and share them with others and uh, advocate for laws that reflect those morals. Yeah. And one of the things that you mentioned is this essentially myth of neutrality that, you know, when you go into the public square, it's 100% neutral. Secularism is 100% neutral. It's Christianity that's not neutral, but the secularists, they're, they're purely just operating off of fact and keeping personal belief out of it when we know that that couldn't be further from the truth. If you are an atheist, or if you're a Christian, or if you're agnostic, no matter your belief, you're operating from a worldview that goes out from there, whether you believe that God created the heavens and the earth, or if you believe that our ancestors are fish, and our world (laughs) came from nothing, either one of those is going to uh, it's going to direct your path in some way. And it's definitely going to impact the laws and the legislation and the moral framework that you believe in. If you don't think that we were created by a creator with a purpose, then your moral framework is going to be very different from someone who does adhere to the Bible, who does believe uh, that God created the heavens and the earth and that Jesus is our savior. The the scripture that comes from the Bible is going to have a much greater impact on someone who believes in that than someone who doesn't and who really is just a moral relativist. And so you can't really escape it, even though they they try to tell us that you can escape it and you can be neutral in this public square. There is no neutrality and one worldview is going to win out uh, whether we like it or not. It's not whether, but which. One of my favorite mm-hmm. yeah. um, pastors and, and podcasters, I forget his name. I, I guess I can't call him my favorite <laughs> because <laughs> I don't remember his name, but he's always <laughs> saying that uh, it's not whether, but but which. Which worldview yeah. are we going to adhere to? And so that that really is where we're at at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. And I think if Christians really, if we really believe what we believe and we live with that conviction, I just, I don't think there's any way that we can withhold our beliefs from the political sphere and from the public square. You know, I think a lot of Christians, there's a sort of uh, a cowardice and a timidity that they have. And I think it really comes from a lack of really believing in those convictions and understanding that these things are are good for the world. It's not just, you know, oh, that's my private belief that I keep over here. You know, it's like, no, this is actually what's best for society. And I have a responsibility to do right by everyone else by sharing that with them. Yeah. And I mean, we could definitely go down a whole nother rabbit hole just discussing that. But I I completely agree. You can't compartmentalize your faith. It either touches all aspects of your life and you submit fully to God or you don't, and what you claim to believe, you actually aren't really believing. Um, but with that said, let's uh, let's uh, go to what is going to be taking place here uh, very, very soon, which is issue one in the state of Ohio. This has to do with some of the work that you guys have been doing at Center for Christian Virtue. And really, you guys have done an amazing job at putting all of your effort towards getting issue one passed as an organization. I know that as an individual, you as well have been out there day after day really advocating to get issue one passed. So could you just kind of explain a little bit about um, why issue one is so important to you and Center for Christian Virtue and some of the work that you guys have been doing to advocate for it? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that. I mean, you know, we try really hard at CCV. It's definitely a lot at times, but I mean, 
we all care really deeply about the issue. So it makes it worth it all the time we put into it. Um, but yeah, like you said, um, on August 8th, Ohioans will have an opportunity to vote on um, whether or not they want to raise the threshold to amend Ohio's constitution. And the reason why this is so important is because for far too long, our constitution has been the vehicle for bad policy. It's been abused time and time again, and because it's been just way too easy to amend it. With just a simple majority, you can just throw whatever you want in there. And um, the constitution is meant to not only outline the structure of our government, but it's also meant to protect our basic rights and freedoms. And if a document like that is easily changed, then it'll just be altered with whatever the passions of the day are, you know, and the tyranny of the majority can win. Um, and it can actually harm people and take away their rights. And I think a lot of people don't see that because, you know, it, things haven't been too bad in Ohio just yet. And so I think a lot of people are not seeing what could potentially be on the horizon. But um, as you and I know very well, something's coming in November that would be very, very bad for our state. And I think issue one is a great way not just to um, to protect our constitution from what's coming in November, but from all kinds of things that could happen in the future. Yeah. And could you just explain a little bit more about what is coming in November and um what would happen if that was to be passed in November? We've spoken about it a little bit before on the podcast, but from a young woman's perspective, I would I would love to hear what you had to say about the impending November ballot initiative um, that we just got word will officially be on the ballot. So it will 100% be there this November in Ohio. Um, so could you just kind of dive in a little bit deeper to that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it, on the November ballot, there's going to be a proposed constitutional amendment to enshrine a right to abortion in the state of Ohio. And it's not even just a right to abortion, but the language is written in such a way that it's um, it's so broad that it includes all kinds of things um, in terms of reproductive health care that it could even um, allow for minors to be receiving uh, what we call gender transition surgeries or other treatments that are just mutilating their bodies um, because that could be that could fall under reproductive health care. And so there's all kinds of things there and and it can it not only will it be enshrining a right to abortion and potentially opening the door for all these gender transition surgeries, but it's actually um, it's actually up to the point of birth, there will be uh, little to no restrictions. And women will not be able to get proper care. Um, a, a, an abuser, a pedophile, a pimp could uh, rape a girl, get her pregnant, take her to the abortion clinic, and her parents wouldn't even know. Her parents would have no rights, they would have no say it just really opens up the door for Ohio to just be the wild west when it comes to abortion. Yeah. Well, and one thing too, to add on to that. So in that scenario that you brought up, if, you know, an abuser gets a girl pregnant and then takes her to a minor pregnant and takes her to get an abortion, not only um, do they have, it does the young 
girl who's a minor, uh, does she have the right to go behind her parents' back and get this abortion? But the abuser is now protected as well. And he couldn't even be prosecuted for taking uh, the young girl to get an abortion because he now has a constitutional right to take yeah. her to get an abortion. And so it's just very extreme evil stuff. Um, it would be state state sanctioned murder, essentially, that would be in our constitution, as well as a multitude of other extremities and just pure radicalism. So it's very important that that we defeat that. Um, the first part of defeating that is passing issue one in order to raise the threshold so that it's it's not as easy and, and simple as the ACLU would like it to be uh, for that to get passed. If we can get issue one passed, then that can uh, definitely add some, some greater protections. So I know that you uh, have been working closely with churches across the state uh, for issue one and against the November ballot initiative. Could you talk a little bit about um, some of the responses that you've gotten from churches, uh, the reactions, any engagement that you've seen, um, anything that's been encouraging in the Christian world or or anything that you think that we have room for improvement? Yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, I've got to say I've been very, very encouraged talking to churches. There's been a lot of engagement. There's been a lot of Christians just rising up, which is what we need to see. And um, I mean, it's just so exciting to see pastors who are just like, what can we do? How can we help? Um, how can we, you know, start talking to our congregants about this? And it's, yeah, it's just been a very positive um, interaction with churches. Um, and there are definitely those churches that are more on the fence, more reserved. There are others that, you know, this is too political for them. They don't want to wade in. But I think the vast majority that we've been interacting with, there's been a lot of a lot of good um, interactions there. And some of them we haven't even have had to reach out to. Some of them are just kind of running with it on their own. It's great. Um, but I think I think one of the things that it's just really important for for churches to know when they think about what political engagement looks like for the church is just, you know, at the end of the day in America, we run our government, you know, we all have a responsibility, a civic duty to vote. And, um, and that includes us as Christians. And I think that, I mean, what better place to, to learn how you ought to vote than at church, right? I mean, who better to tell you than your pastor, right? Who better to guide you? Uh, because who else is going to, right? Where else are you going to go seek that counsel? And I think, um, I think there's this fear churches can have sometimes of, you know, potentially losing their tax exempt status or, or just, I don't know, alienating people, dividing the church. But at the end of the day, if voting is something we're all supposed to be doing, you know, I want guidance on that. I want someone to tell me what that looks like as a Christian. And I think, um, I think it's just been really, really cool to see a lot of churches and a lot of churchgoers really being impacted by that. Well, that's very encouraging to hear. I've I've definitely been worried about church engagement and, you know, ensuring that we have our churches standing up and getting involved in this because I really 
uh, don't believe that we can win if the churches aren't involved. But if the churches do get involved, if they do rise up, I, I think that we we absolutely will have a victory on our hands very easily. If if Christians mm-hmm. rise up and, and say no more, we're going to go out and vote. And I completely agree. I think that a pastor's duty as a shepherd isn't just to give an hour-long sermon on Sunday mornings about um, the Psalms or, or reading directly from scripture, obviously not to denigrate reading from scripture. That's the most important thing is God's word, but we're supposed to apply God's word to all of our life, including our civic duty. The Bible has something to say about how we're supposed to act as citizens. And so pastors should be teaching on that as well, even if it isn't popular. So that's really encouraging to hear that pastors have been uh, getting involved and getting engaged and haven't backed down from this and that parishioners are also listening. I know that I've had a lot of people at my church personally that have come up to me and asked me about issue one and wanted to know more information. So people are hungry for that. It's just a matter of getting the information to them so that they they can go out and vote. Well, was there any uh, last thoughts that you wanted to share with our audience about issue one or even just about uh, the pro-life uh, movement and, and what we're moving towards here in Ohio as a whole? Yeah, just go out and vote. August 8th, early voting has already started. Um, you can go to your county board of elections and vote even today. Um, but also just don't lose heart and i think more than anything a lot of people it's easy to be discouraged because you don't see a lot of you know the the noise out there the media the you know everyone on social media all of that is it can be very negative but i think it's just so important for us as christians to know that we have hope in christ and also just that um you know, the more of us who are bold and speak truth, the more others will also be inspired to, to be bold and to speak truth. And I think uh, we really will start to see a shift in our culture when each one of us as individuals kind of takes that upon ourselves to do that. So I uh, just want to encourage you all in that. Yeah, amen. And I completely agree. I think that courage begets courage and Christians have been told for so long that, you know, we can't engage in in politics. We have to be quiet. And so uh, for a very long time, we listened and we were quiet and we stopped engaging. And I think that the more that each one of us stands up, the more Christians will look and be like, oh, wait, it it is okay to talk about this from the Bible. It is okay to uh, give my, not just my opinion, but God's truth. Uh, to this issue. So I completely agree. Um, So Nalani, could you just tell everyone where they can stay up to date on Center for Christian Virtue as well as yourself and some of the work that you guys are doing, or if they have any questions where they can go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You can go to ccv.org and you can sign up for our emails. Uh, And I believe our social media uh, handle is CCV policy. So you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. I don't personally really have social media, so there's not a lot of places you can follow me, but uh, CCV is the best way. So thank you, Lizzie. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thank you for joining us. 